Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Ruminations, 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program. Featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855am. Hello, my name is Marina and I'm from near Bansdale in Victoria, country Victoria. So Marina, you've come into Melbourne after a period of time and you've just been saying that you're very shocked to see how many homeless people are on the streets. That's right. It's changed a lot. Last time we were here was in uh, February last year and I can't believe how it's changed, how many more there are and they're everywhere in groups. We just noticed that group there. Yeah, it's shocking, yes. It's very sad. Some of them, they say there's sexual violence at home, but I also think probably a lot of them don't want the discipline at home anymore, but that's just from an older viewpoint. Um, In sort of my day, you either did what Dad and Mum said or you went out, and I remember fighting with my dad, and he said, all right, if you want, go, but I thought... "Mm." All I've got is a single bed and no money. The research bears out the fact that a lot of these young people are fleeing from domestic family violence situations. Yeah, Yeah, I can believe that, yes. But I'm sure there's also some, it's kind of cool. I don't know. That's only the impression I get. But I am sure there's a lot haven't got happy homes, yes. What, in your opinion, needs to be done about it? I actually reckon there ought to be more and boarding houses type of places. Definitely, whether it's young people or it's older people, where do you go that you can rent a room in a decent place for little money? Are you aware that a lot of those boarding houses um, charge quite expensive rents and are very violent? Yeah, I realise that, yeah. I think maybe, you know, everybody says, oh, the government should help, but I really think the government should maybe subsidise it or whatever yes. What about public housing? Um, I'm thinking more of temporary. Public housing is okay but that's in my opinion is only for longer term. I'm talking about people just needing a place or a room for a week or a day or a month. But would you not think that if they get that public housing then they do have that security of long term housing? Oh I agree. Yes, yeah, if that's possible. But, I mean, you see it on the, in the newspaper and on TV. They keep on saying there's a waiting list of five years, six years. I mean, who can wait that long? As you are aware, there's tens of thousands of homeless people in Victoria and it's growing. Uh, there's also tens of thousands of vacant buildings in Victoria. Would you be in support of homeless people's right to squat or not? 
No, not squat because unfortunately I think they also don't clean up after themselves and they destroy. If, if they took care of it and kept it clean and tidy, yes then. But uh, I feel sort of a little bit afraid for the owners of those properties that they are damaged and the value goes down. So if they took care of it, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was a bit of... Um not a bit of something. That was a an archival piece um, from the Ruminations archive. We went out with our portable recorders a few years ago into the CBD to ask people how they'd feel about uh, people that are experiencing homelessness, um, their right to squat, mm. uh, the tens of thousands of empty uh, buildings across this state. Uh, so yeah. we'll respond to that because that was quite interesting to hear the view uh, uh, a view of one public member. Yeah. But uh, I'm Kelly and I'm here with Spike and you are listening to Ruminations 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program on 855am and streaming at 3cr.org.au. We also podcast our programs now, so it's just a matter of going back through the archive and getting them up on our webpage, and you can find that at 3cr.org.au forward slash ruminations. But if you don't want to podcast, um, every show that goes to air will be available for a week on that webpage, so you can uh, listen back. Uh, We're also on Facebook at Ruminations Homeless Radio Show, so uh, I'm pretty wrapped that the temperatures come down. Yeah. I was really not dealing nice with that cool heat. Yeah, yeah, it was a struggle. It was awful. For, yeah, and yeah, for the people that um, are sleeping rough in town, uh, you can imagine what it's like having to find some shade or some relief or some respite from you know a forty degree heat. So we're going to talk about that today, yeah. uh, the heat and uh, what services can provide yeah. people and what you're witnessing um, in your role as a peer support worker, and, basically. And, and look, fundamentally, it's not just about um, people who are rough sleepers or people that are homeless, but what, what you know, we have a response, the city, the city of Melbourne has a responsibility to make sure everyone, whether they're homeless, housed, regardless of their situation it just it's important that the most vulnerable members which are people that are sleeping rough have got access to whatever support that they need to get some respite from um, the heat so it's it's a human rights issue also it's not just about giving out drinks it's a human fundamentally it's a human rights issue so on the show today we're going to talk about uh, the heat wave and homelessness um, I've also got a conversation to play uh, with Raphael from 3CR's The Boldness, um, really intriguing, fascinating storyteller and story about uh, his reflections on life in rooming houses. And Raphael lived at over 100 addresses in nine wow. years. Shit. Oh. So I'll be playing that over the he's next... He's moved around. <laughs> he's moved around a lot. I'll be playing that over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, we'll also talk about um, a Sydney encampment you've heard about, yeah, Spike, yeah. that's going on. and um, oh, Not necessarily encampment, but it's Daily Telegraph. It's an okay. interesting article, Daily Telegraph. And um, 
uh, someone that we had a discussion about on the show last month about um, <laughs> someone who from the uh, from one of those uh, right wing uh, Center for Independent Studies. The good old boys from the Center for Independent Studies have um, you know made their voices heard again. Yeah, dying with their rights on oh, how that's right. the homeless people have too many rights. Right. Basically, uh, he was uh, on with Amanda Vanstone on another broadcast. Uh, on Counterpoint. Apparently, it's called recently. So. Um, uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about that. You're listening to uh, Ruminations on 3CR. Hey, how's it going? You're listening to 3CR Radical Radio. Say, I am sailing, I am sailing on the sea's blue water. We sail for human rights, indigenous sovereignty and climate justice. Our destination is Manus Island. Join us for the Freedom Flotilla. Sailforjustice.org. Get on board. A 3CR supporter. So, Spike, do we want to have a bit of a chat about uh, some of the views from that member of the public we just pulled from the archive? Yeah, it was an interesting You know what really struck me was? Yeah. And this is something I heard on an earlier program today that sometimes all it takes is that one-to-one conversation with people to um, to find a, a reasonable to come to a reasonable conclusion about something like compromise. That lady had all kinds of preconceptions yeah. and yeah. views on homelessness, and then when I challenged her on those, she goes, "Oh yeah, well that's that's right, actually." She was really confused. Essentially, she was confused and the othering, she was othering those pe- they, it was they, it was always they, they were in groups, they were alone, um, they were not people, they were not, did you see that lady, did you see that young man, they were they, and, mm, that's it, true. It, and it's part of, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think um, the whole, she, she was struggling with she didn't want to seem to be uh, too hard on people, and she always and she also wanted to uh, sort of wanted you to understand that she felt for people. But um, yeah, she didn't want to. She seemed like she didn't want to come across as too soft or too hard. She wasn't sure. Uh, you know, every time she said something, and you pointed out that hang on, um, that that could be a little bit unreasonable. She re- she sort of uh, reflected on it and sort of went back on what she said. Is there anything you wanted in particular to say about that? I just think that people struggle. I think that um, you know, with with social media and the, the you know the controls, and we're going to talk about uh, Radio National um, giving uh, a radio show to an ex-liberal politician, and there's a number of them. You know, uh, Sky TV. There's a number of old, you know, uh, political hacks that have their own sort of right-wing um, radio, um, sorry, television programs, and I'm sure if you go through the Green Guide, you'd be able to circle a number, of, you know, of politicians that have radio programs also, and and they come, they're coming from the perspective like an ideology of control. They're coming from an ideology, an ideology of trying to protect the status quo to maintain the status quo, and and they're they're the problems that exist within the community, they're trying to resolve them from the perspective of not changing too much stuff but making sure we can resolve this issue. And they're more concerned about how it looks 
that's how it seems to me. They're more concerned about what what people see on the street, for example, like when the the tennis was on. You it, it became um, it was it became uh, you could feel the tension that the police were more on their um, sort of more on their uh, 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 on the lookout this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, every year, if you think about it, where the theatre precinct is in town, that you can you, you get the feeling that they 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 even though they they say they support you know the city of melbourne and I, I think in their own minds and they try to be as democratic and respectful as they can but i they're always you know they know that there's a rich person on the phone who's like at at arm's length from the phone ready to make a phone call to the herald sun or neil mitchell and that's what they're concerned about because they're they're responding to pressure from the public and and you've recently told me that a lot of people, yeah, about this pressure from the public, the yes. police are under it, the city of Melbourne sure. is under it. It's uh, and I think can you th- let listeners know well, what you told I, me? I think well, it came to your attention. Okay, it, it did. It, it, it's in in discussions with with different people, it became really clear, and and it's it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that there's people sitting in the town hall at the cop shop at East Melbourne or wherever plotting plans to bring people down. Actually, they're, they're not that – it's not that they're not that clever. It's that they're um, um, – I think that there's not a plan to actually go out and hurt particular people, types of people. They, they're responding to, to, to the to, – um, to pressure from the public. So if someone's parking their car and paying $35 a day to park their car and they have to step over someone in a stairwell, you can make sure, you, you can bet your bottom dollar, they're going to be ringing someone to make sure that their voice is heard, whether it's a newspaper, the Herald Sun, or Neil Mitchell, or someone like that, or Current Affair, or one of those type of sort of right-wing shock jock type sort of situations. And that's what they're doing. They're responding to public pressure. It's it's not they're not being proactive. They don't have a plan in place until it's been brought to their attention, and that's how this whole heat thing beca- became uh, a policy for the city of Melbourne. It's not that they sat down, uh, well, that they, that they sat down say twenty years ago and decided, well, um, you know, Australia gets Victoria can get um, really hot in summer. So we really need to make sure that the most vulnerable members of our community are able to get some shade, able to sit um, in somewhere that might be air-conditioned, able to get access to um, cool drinks, pool passes, maybe a pass to the cinema or something like that. They didn't, that plan, you know, it didn't come out of the 60s or the 50s. That's like five years old. Yeah. That's like for, and that's a response to they, they're responding to pressure from the medical uh, f- uh, community because people are turning up in the emergency rooms. So public hospitals are dealing with uh, uh, an increased number of people because of the increase of people that are sleeping rough and the increase um, in, in temperatures because of climate change and all this other stuff. So they're constantly reacting. There's no proactive. Right. It's not. It's not that it would be nice to think that everyone that all these organisations are working from a position that we need to protect people's human rights and everyone, regardless of their housing situation, their economic status, is able to find some respite from the heat. That's not, what it is. That's not, that's not the case. And that's not because they're bad people necessarily. It's because they're, they're um, local governments and local governments historically 
don't have a good track record in, in making sure that everyone, not just people that have got money in the bank and, and pay their rates, that everyone has access to, to the supports they need to get through the day. So, you know, the medical fraternities, someone from St. Vincent's has probably got onto the phone to the city of Melbourne and said, look, guys, um, we've had 10 people come in the last week that have been exposed to the heat. They're sunburnt. Um, they're they're um, suffering from dehydration. And they're all coming to the emergency room. And, there's, and, and they'll bring to their attention that there's car accidents and all sorts of stuff that happen in, around the CBD. So they need to do something about it. Because these people are all, you know, it's, thank goodness we have a semblance of universal health care. So you can go into a, a public hospital. You might have to wait a few hours, but you will get seen to eventually. Um, so that, that's what's happened. Our, our, our human services aren't set up to be proactive and plan to make sure that we're all looked after. They're reacting to public pressure, conservative public pressure. Because they believe I don't have to, I shouldn't have to step over a person. Um, what's this person doing on the corner asking me for money? What are you doing about that? What, what, you know, the, the, we went, we're doing a project for people that are sleeping rough over the next eighteen months, and we went and spoke to the coppers at um, East Melbourne, and they made that really clear. It's not, it's not that, you know, I don't. They'd rather be busting, you know, pimps and all sorts of other people that are doing, you know, organised crime and all that other stuff. That's what gets them, you know, the, the, the koala badges. So when, when they're going to hassle a rough sleeper or a poor person, it's because they're responding to public pressure. And so what, what I was talking about earlier, it's like people are socialised and, and sort of this conservative sort of filter through the media that, you know, how dare people hang around the street you know, but if you're if you're sitting at a table outside a pub, it's okay drinking alcohol. But if you're sitting on the footpath drinking alcohol, suddenly it's an issue. We had the good fortune of going to Europe last year, and uh, in some of the cities I went to, particularly in Germany, when you come out of the uh, train stations, there's just heaps of street people just yeah. milling around at the front of uh, train stations. People would those kind of people would freak out here if that was happening. Here, the, the, it's the, a really different, um, like the, the, the public, the, we've talked about this the on the public show, square, public common, spaces yeah. are used much yeah. more in, in some European countries than it, here. It's not just the shopping precinct. Yeah, that's it's right. It's actually a public space. There's that's a big right. difference. And just, just quickly back on that, it's about, it's about um, promoting sort of conservative values, a conservative outlook on, on the way things are done, yeah? That the people that own shit need to have their views heard first, that they get the right of way all the time, like constantly, and yeah, and and, and it's the, the media, you know, um, free to air TV especially is 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 fashioned and it's shaped that way to promote those sort of conservative values. Right, we'll be back in a sec uh, to talk a, a little bit more about the heat wave and homelessness. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Wu Yingliam and I come from China and currently I am talking to Community Radio and I'm standing here at Fitzroy Garden and the weather here is very good and I can feel very much.
Hi, I'm Jacob from the Friday Rave, and I'm also on 3CR's Committee of Management. Now, the community of passionate people that founded 3CR a long time ago made some tough decisions. For a start, they committed themselves and a growing community of listeners to back their vision of owning our station and, in doing so, remaining independent of the government and corporate influence. They did this by fundraising, brick by brick, with working bees, door knocks, on-air drives and all the rest of it. You've all been there. Now, their commitment has kept 3CR on air for over 40 years. That's a long time even in my life. But now, we need your commitment to keep this great thing going. Now, you can subscribe online at 3cr.org.au or phone us at the station on 9419 8377 or even stop me on the bloody street if you see me at some rally or other and ask me for a membership form. You need to become a member of Melbourne Radical Radio and subscribe. Are we in February yet, Spike? Today's the first. It's the first of Feb. Uh, so we're coming up to our subscriber month. I think that, that kicks off on the 11th of okay. February. So we'll be asking uh, regular... Empty your pockets. Yeah, empty your pockets. <laughs> and, and support and grow your 3CR. It's uh, really important that we keep this uh, radio station going with all these radical and amazing... Support your community. Voices, yeah. Support, support an independent voice, support a free voice. So you're listening uh, to uh, Ruminations 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program program with Kelly and Spike. Um, so what can you tell us about um, the kinds of services uh, people can um, make use of, Spike, um, in, uh, during these um, hot days? Okay. So as we talked about earlier, the city, when I think it was May 2014, there was a heat wave and there was like maybe four days that were over 30 night and day. And this, and um, the public hospitals had planned for 858 deaths. 858 deaths in Victoria, Victoria wide in 2014 due to extreme heat. Right. That, 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 that was the tally. That yeah, was the. Through the whole year, for the whole year of the 2014. Heat, heat related deaths. Heat related deaths. In Victoria. In Victoria. <laughs> I'm repeating myself. Just so I'm clear. They, and they plan for 691. Based, they must have computer models or stats that they do. So it was 167 more than what they expected. So In 2014. That's 2014. So there was, and there was, there was a week that year that was really intense. There was like maybe five days over 40 or something like that. So again, the city of Melbourne's responded to pressure from the medical community, and I'm sure there was other people in the in the city of Melbourne that said, "Look, you know, it's the city's, the city of Melbourne's responsibility to make sure that the people that are sleeping on the street or sleeping in foot or in car parks or sleep whatever um, have got access." Okay, so what what they give out to services like the Salvation Army, CoHealth, um, Front Yard, so all the services that are located in the CBD or the City of Melbourne. So that that's also Kensington, North Melbourne. Um, Not many more than that, though, right? Um, Wire, maybe Women's Wire, Information Referral Exchange. Maybe not. Look, I'm, I'm not sure about Wire right. because they don't do a lot of um, sort of first response sort right. of stuff. They don't do a lot of. Oh, they do. They do some stuff that people can. In any off case, the all the yeah, services that all, come under their municipality. All, yeah, all the all these sort of human services in in that area will have stuff like pool passes, 
movie passes. So can you give me a bit more detail about like, like okay. can you go can you could you hypothetically go to a service every day and get yes. is like is it a daily pool pass or monthly or It's what? a daily pool. Okay. So if it's over 30 for that day, if it's if it's predicted to be over 30 for that day and that night, the services get funding to pay for the pool you get people can access a pool pass for the day they can get one every day um there's the like uh ice necklaces so there's yep. these little contraptions where you you chuck ice and you put them on the back of your neck to provide you some respite um so uh movie passes how so, how many can you get of those one a day okay so you could get one a day for, for every day that's a heat wave day so it has so to has, has to, to be, be a heat wave day so what's the technical okay, thing for so that the, uh, a day that is um, forecast to be above 30 for the day and, and night. And the night. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's not many days, is okay. it? Okay. Why, no, it why are they restricting it to look, that I Look, I, that's the definition that I've got from the uh, website, and it's four years old. And mm-hmm. I put at the end of the website, I said, look, and they asked me, so was this, web, was this page health? And I said, no, it was outdated. It was for, this was still when Doyle, when Rumpelstiltskin was right. sort of in town. <laughs> And you know, and it, and it's really old sort of information. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing, at work, it's we make a decision on the day. Like if it's you know thirty during the day, people that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be didn't necessarily have to be thirty the night before. So if it's thirty on that day, that's when we start giving stuff out. So it'll be a pool pass, um, a movie pass, the necklaces, drinks, icy poles. That's the sort of stuff we've been funded for. Bottled, you know, the water bottles, um, fans. You know, there's these dinky little fans that, that you, that's, you can spray water. Yeah. It's like a water pistol with a fan on the end yeah. of it. That sort of stuff. That's the sort of stuff that they have. That's the sort of stuff that's been funded and provided for, for people that, yeah, people that are either. And fans, actually. We buy fans, so we've been funded to. Uh, we've gone out and bought fans and delivered them to rooming houses, which I have to say, I that was a great initiative. Um, whether you like, you know, and I'm not a big fan of governments, you know, um, at all. But the fact that um, we've got some funding for people in rooming houses or in public, whatever, whatever that you know that they're in, sort of. Um, that sort of accommodation that don't have fans, we deliver those out to the, the places we do outreach to. So yeah, fans, yeah, pool passes, movie passes, those necklaces. Um, so yeah, the, the the fans, by the way, aren't the dinky little water pistol ones. Out, it's like a proper yeah. room fan, yeah. And are people making use of all those l- little things? Yes, for sure. And what sure. can in the last uh, minute or two on this yeah. before we move on? Um, what can you tell us about? What people are, how how are people coping? People that people are primary are str- homeless. No, people are struggling. It, it's hot. It's hot, and you can give, you know, what. And it's people not only come into hot. the service. People come into the service more, for example, um, because it's air conditioned, or no, our our ours is an air conditioned because mm. it's a uh, um, what what is it's it heritage, heritage listed building. They can't right. uh, install the. Um, Cooler than cooler than outside, though. Yeah, it is cooler than outside. But I find that uh, I've noticed that that people don't move a lot when it's that hot. You know, people are people. Yeah, whether you're that's right. Whether you're housed, whether you're housed or not, we are we are people, and and that's and that's really it's it's a really good thing to it's an important that's a critical thing to remember that Mm. we are just people. Yeah, regardless of our housing status, 
and and it's really important that we look after each other. So one 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 good thing could be that if you see someone that's in the heat, you know, invite them into some shade. Like if you if you've got somewhere that is cooler than the footpath, maybe ask them to come in and for a drink. I mean, it's simple stuff, but it makes a difference. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and one of the one of the one of the shocking and one of the horrible things is that we have all these, um, what are they called, the dining sort of, you know, like Victoria Gardens where people uh, eat. Mall. Yeah, the uh, mall. mall. And so if people look obviously homeless, if they, they're perceived to be homeless just from stigma and stuff like that, they're, they're most likely going to be moved on. I mean, it's not legal. I've seen a young couple yeah. charging up their phones and stuff in the mall near where I live uh, recently yeah. and, yeah. See, I, look, I, I, sh- I, and I shouldn't uh, say that it's like make the call that it, uh, to generalise too much, but the people, the feedback that we get is that people don't feel comfortable. They should be able, people should be able to go to the public libraries, to those, um, you know, like, what, what's that thing, the gardens sort of situation, the mall. The mall. The, the bloody. Such an the, Americanism, isn't the, it? Yeah, the air-conditioned mall, that sort of stuff. But you, people people tell us that, A, they don't feel comfortable even if they're not asked to leave because the public doesn't make them feel comfortable. So the public needs to be educated and reminded that they've got no right to judge anyone um, and or, or, the, or they've been asked to leave because someone's complained. All right, thanks for that, Spike. We've, no we've got to move on. Um, you're listening to uh, Ruminations with Spike and Kelly on 3CR. We're going to go to a couple of announcements and a song, and straight after that I'm going to play the first part of my conversation with uh, Raphael from 3CR's The Boldness and his reflections on rooming house life. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> You're listening to 3CR. 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 My name's Rafael Caleb. I've been co-hosting The Boldness since 2009. The Boldness is a disability current affairs program at 6 o'clock on the 3rd and 5th Wednesdays of the month. I started co-hosting The Boldness in 2009, finding myself of actually being on air so far together for about 10 years. (laughs) We haven't been sacked yet. (laughs) The Boldness is disability current affairs. There's very few topics we haven't covered. They range from accessibility, that that means things like information, to housing, to computers, to televisions and film. The National Disability Insurance Scheme, we have covered sex and disability a number of times. We have done the same-sex relationships with people with a disability over the past 18 months, we've done quite a number of shows focusing on disability and entertainment. So you identify as having disability? I have autism. I do have Asperger's syndrome. What's the difference between those two? That is a really, 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 really good point. And I'm not too sure what the correct answer is. That Asperger's syndrome 
I have sensory overload with colours, shapes, my senses, how I perceive things. The one thing I one of the things I do extremely well now is language. I excel at English. That's on how I came up with the word virologist, because most people would not think it out, think it through from that perspective. It's the same thing that it's something I do extremely well. I identify under the traditional meaning of the word Asperger's syndrome, and I'm quite content with this. If somebody would like to say, well, what's the difference? To me, they're one and the same thing. A medical expert may care to differentiate and say there's a difference. I am not qualified to comment any further than that, other than I identify as with Asperger's syndrome, and to me it's interchangeable. So we're having a good yarn a couple of weeks ago when you were telling me some of your uh, life stories, a <laughs> very lively and colourful past. <laughs> There's quite a number of them. And uh, uh, you mentioned that you we started to talk a little bit about rooming houses, I think it was. Yes. And I thought, well, let's capture this conversation in the studio. Sure. So... Um, you were going to say that you have experienced rooming houses? As far as transitional housing or housing goes, between the ages of 19 to the time I was 28, we went through and I had lived in approximately 100 different addresses, which we know of. Simple. That makes life really easy. So permanent and temporary accommodation, I was used to it. And part of that didn't meant the things such as couch surfing. That means going and staying at somebody's, I know, house for a little while, and it's a roof over the head. It's pretty straightforward. Is it permanent? No. Relating this to things like rooming houses. One of the rooming houses I lived in, I'll give you a visual description. The smell of overflowing garbage greeted visitors from 300 metres away. The police would visit it two or three times a week minimum. The caretaker showed me the room. My future neighbours' voices drifted through a broken window as they were discussing retirement plans over flakings of sherry and port. I was shown the communal kitchen. I opened the oven. I broke a spider's web. I caught Tinia for the first time. That is reality of the first rooming house. It's actually on how I recall what actually went on with it, is that it was a place like I went back to revisit it approximately seven or eight years after I was living there. And it had a nice big fence around it marked as a condemned building. It's a pretty good start. <laughs> And th- th- that's what it was like living in the rooming house there, is that it was one of those, it's a transient population. Back then I was drinking, what I was like when I was drinking as it relates to rooming houses. The people that lived there thought I drank too much, and they didn't even want me to drink with them anyway. <laughs> and it's a pretty good action summary about what it was like too. And it wasn't like that the whole of my life. That's where, that was approximately six or seven years before I stopped drinking anyway. What else can you tell us about 
life in rooming houses? I would describe it as a lonely existence, literally. Is that who do you talk to? Can you trust people? What's the main topic of conversation anyway? How do you keep your food cold? What about things like the practicalities, if you've got clothes and you'd like to wash them? That is things like of down to a laundromat, if there's money there to actually wash them. There's things like a dryer. I would not suggest that I would leave my clothes out on a communal line. They might happen to go missing. And I might actually see this person wearing them about two or three weeks later when they think I've forgotten about it. The things about food in a kitchen. I would suggest that from my experience, I would not leave uncooked food unintended in a kitchen. It goes missing. Simple. Because people get hungry, it may may or not be doing other things. But the point was, things happen to go missing. How do you invite people to come back and have a coffee, for example, at a place? And the one which one of the rooming houses I was at, there was not a communal lounge, for example. Some places do have communal lounges. This particular one didn't. Communications with the outside world, this is... For the benefit of listeners, I'm talking about the 1990s. I'm talking about when the internet was not common. I'm talking about a time and era where mobile phones were approximately two or three kilos like a house brick. I'm talking about when they didn't actually have the internet on mobile phones. I'm talking about the era of when there was public phone boxes. This particular rooming house how to communicate with others. If you were lucky, if I was lucky, and I happened to have, I think it was about 40 cents back then, to make a phone call, I could do so if the phone wasn't vandalised. And it would be, okay? It's pretty straightforward. How do you actually communicate and talk to the outside world? How do you have that private conversation about gee, I need some help somewhere, but how am I going to access it? Using a public phone in a main area, which is everybody can walk past it and hear what you're saying without drawing attention to self. It doesn't tend to actually work. That's what life was actually like in the rooming house, is that there'd be some days where I'd be drinking and have a pack of cards. Tell you what, I came really good at playing Patience and Solitaire. But that's going back about 25-odd years in it going now, and that's what it was like. It's how do you actually talk to your neighbours? I didn't talk to my neighbours. Why would I talk to my neighbours? For me, the rooming house, look, it's full of secrets. And the secrets are, I don't want to know my neighbours. And I sort of said, wouldn't want to know the past that I, background I came from too. And it was kind of like it was mutual. How to put on that front when you're in the outside world. I had a nice little party trick. If I wanted to go out and be seen as a citizen, wear a suit and tie from an op shop. And I would get people see me. Yes, yes, yes. Must be an executive. Come back from work. Of course. It's called the University of Life. (laughs) I wouldn't tell that to them. But it's part of the front of being excelling at English. Ask me a question, you'll get an answer. and It'll be flipped around. And I've just been doing a tax audit because I've got a tip off and I might be visiting your area soon. 
it actually helped, it gives people a bit of respect. But that's what it's like is that there was no, there's no real dignity about living in a place like that. Like I said, the bins were overflowing. You could smell them th- um, 300 metres away. And it was like that every day. Hello, universe. So you've got um, secure housing these days? Yeah, look, as I've had the same address for the past nearly seven years. It'll be seven years at the same address in February this year. And that's a good thing? Oh, it's a bit of a change. <laughs> Between the ages of 19 and 28, 20, 27, 28, I moved over 100 times, which are knowing addresses. From the time I was around 29 to the time I was approximately 43, 44, I had, I think it was three or four addresses. And with three of those places, I moved because where I was renting was sold and I needed to move. That's a change. And where I've been, I have been there for seven odd years. And for all intentional purposes, it is my last address. On the other hand, I'm open to the benevolent godfather offer of someone liking either some of the things I've recorded, other things that I'm doing, and giving me a title to a property somewhere. I'm very open to those kind of ideas, provided the caveat is that I can't sell it. It means I've got a place if I want to live there, but it doesn't mean that I would live there, but it means that I've got the choice. (laughs) Hi, my name is Micah. I live in Auckland, New Zealand, and you are listening to Community Radio. You're listening to Ruminations, 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program. I should just uh, back announce uh, that we played uh, Streets of Detroit by Squirrel and before that we played Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks and you've just been listening to a conversation I had with Raphael Caleb from 3CR's The Boldness Peer Disability Issues Program. Uh, really fantastic storyteller and some really sharp and humorous insights into rooming house life. Hey, Spike. Yeah, yeah. That was he distilled um, life, rooming house life. Real, like it, it was exact. Um, I would just like for for anyone that's not lived in a rooming house. Um, I, yeah, it is one. It's something I'm never, ever, ever gonna forget ever. Um, and one thing that I would add to um, Raphael. Raphael's uh, observations is the crushing, the crushing sense of despair. The cr- it is absolute. It is punishing in there. You, everyone is in crisis. Eighty percent of the people in there are, are, are in crisis or running from something. Um, yeah, they. It really does put you through the ringer personally. Um, and the, the, and it's a place of secrets is, that was such a, an amazing observation, but I, I would add to that. It's also a place where you have no secret. So it's, right. it's strange. It's like rough sleeping at once. You can be in the public, 
but not be recognized as a person, as a human being. So there's that, there's that double dichotomy thing happening. In a rooming house, it's a place where everyone's got their secrets as to why they're there, why, why they need to not be where they were, they're running from something or running to something. And at the same time, you have absolutely no privacy. We could hear each other from room to room. So if someone's on a bender, you're going to hear it all night. If someone's playing their music, they're going to hear it all night. If someone's unhappy and, you know, they're having a conversation, they're trying to work stuff out for themselves, you're going to hear that, co- that, that, in, that monologue all night. And, yeah, I wouldn't and, – and, and that goes on to – it's an interesting segue. The guy, that Carlos Debrera guy who reckons we shouldn't be counting people in rooming houses as homeless – well, if a home is a place where you can reproduce your life, develop relationships, um, develop develop your life, rooming houses aren't like, they're not home. They could never be home. You have to count people in overcrowded settings, in rooming houses, um, in crisis, accom, all those people, they're homeless. It's a home. A home isn't accommodation. That's what this 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 uh, psychologist needs to understand. He doesn't. He he's suggesting. Yeah. So let's uh, okay. just uh, set it up for our listeners. So we this is a, a psychotherapist, is psychologist, who, psychologist who also works as? for the think tank, the Center for Independent Studies, and he produced a paper about a month ago called yeah. "Dying with Their Rights right, On," so. and he has issue with the. Um, the definition of homelessness right. as um, understood by the um, ABS. The ABS. And had- uh, it includes too many people. For example, people that live in o- overcrowded dwellings, he wouldn't count um, people uh, living in those situations as homeless. And he believes that uh, the only genuine homeless people are people that are primary homeless, right, right, on the street, and that um, they don't know how to make the best decisions for themselves and could benefit from like a public um like a, a benefit pub- now, a benefactor now of some sort right he calls it enlightened paternalism that's right. and you might as well put a collar on somebody it's he what he's suggesting is that someone um is putting place to make decisions for that individual because that person doesn't know what's good for it's good for them so this person has gotten some recent air or television time yeah, yeah he's got he's got a lot of media in the print he's got a lot of um publicity in the print media and he was recently on Radio National for Amanda Vanstone and he went through that and he got a lot of support from, from her from okay. her uh you know he Well that's no surprise. No, it's it? it's it's not a surprise because she, she she went she went on to say well if if the group of people that we're trying to support is too big um the subsets within that group say she went on to this diatribe about how different you know how groups don't get support because the money goes to other people, and they started talking about the homelessness industry. Oh, right. Um, that we're that we're too worried about um, pre- um, protecting people's rights and harm minimisation, and what's required is a bit of um, enlightened paternalism. Oh, pull your socks up, kind yeah. of thing, is it? Pull you pull uh, yourself up by your bootstraps, or no? It, it's no. more that it, it's a little bit. It's a bit harder in, in the sense that. The, what he's what he's suggesting is that he's come to a conclusion that rough sleepers can't look after themselves, can't make good decisions for themselves, because who would decide to go out and sleep out sleep on a footpath? That's what he's saying. But for me, what he doesn't understand is what what life is like in a rooming house or in crisis accommodation or prison or whatever the you know whatever the um, 
the the alternative is. And, and what he's suggesting is that there are multidisciplinary teams made up of social workers, um, uh, law enforcement, and, mo- and mental health workers sort of roam around the parks and the streets of Melbourne, um, uh, enforcing um, service like services on them, like drug testing, rehab, yeah, ones that you can't he- say no to. Yeah, mandatory, right? yeah. mandatory sort of. It's basically prison. That's what he's suggesting, and that people not be able to knock back this support. What what he's talking about is like Soviet type um, totalitarian, a totalitarian system, a, a totalitarian approach to dealing with what is you know fundamentally is an economic issue. Most people will say that if they could afford rent, they wouldn't be sleeping on the street. If they could find somewhere where where they could um, lay their heads that they could afford that, you know, met their needs, they would stay there. I dare say this is an issue we'll be, we'll be talking about in times to come, but for the last um, 30 seconds or so, Spike, do you want to make mention of what you've heard about what's going on up in Sydney? Oh, okay. So um, in the Daily Telegraph... In a brief, in a yeah, brief in, in an, uh, Look, there's people... What, what the, the Daily Telegraph is unhappy. They want the city of Sydney, like the local government, to do something about people that are um, on the footpath living their lives, basically. Um, what they're concerned is that people are drinking alcohol and smoking pot on the street and having too good a time as far as they're concerned, and they want the, the city of Sydney to do something about it, but they can't because they actually have a homeless protocol in place. That's something that we don't have in the city of Melbourne where you can't approach a homeless person and ask them to move on if they haven't broken the law unless they've been asked, and that's something that we don't have in Melbourne and that we need. Thanks for that, Spike, no and thanks for joining me on the show today. I'll be back in a month's time, but you'll be hosting in a couple of weeks. Yes. Yep. yep. So I certainly, I'll certainly try. <laughs> so thanks for sticking with us uh, for the past hour. You've been listening to uh, Ruminations, where 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues program on 855am, and you can listen back to this uh, program or any program that goes to air for a week at 3cr.org.au forward slash Ruminations. We're also on Facebook at Rumin- at Ruminations Homeless Radio Show. And I'll take uh, us out uh, with another song. This is Make Me Smile, another oldie <laughs> by Steve Harley and his uh, backing group. Take care of each other. And take care of each other. And we'll see you again um, in the near future. See you in a couple of weeks. See you later. Make me smile. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.